This is episode 310 of the 200 Churches podcast. Have you ever heard someone say, the church has grown beyond the pastor's capacity to lead it? I've heard that said of many pastors, and it's usually said with this sense of fait accompli, which, you know, simply means that a thing has already happened or it's been decided before those affected hear about it. And it essentially leaves them with no option but to accept it. Yep, yep, it's... The church has just grown beyond their capacity to lead it or to pastor it or to shepherd it. So I have two questions about this idea, this idea that the organization or the church has grown beyond the leaders or the pastor's capacity. And I want to talk to you about that today, and then I want to challenge you to never let that happen in the leadership and shepherding of your church. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast. We're passionate about providing ministry encouragement to pastors of small churches. We release a brand new episode every Wednesday to do just that for you, all of our small church pastor friends. Now here are two guys who are definitely better together, friends, pastors, and podcast partners, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Jeff Cady. I am here in the luxurious and ever so opulent 200 Churches podcast sound studio, if you could only see it. You'd have a chuckle, actually. You would have a chuckle. I am here by myself tonight, and and again, I just want to ask you to pray for Johnny and for his family. Uh, As we record this, it is January the 22nd, 2019. So if you know if you're listening two years from now, hopefully it's all done and gone. Uh, but Johnny is uh, he's at the hospital tonight with his daughter. So if you could pray for his daughter, uh, she is doing somewhat better. But pray for healing and pray for strength for Johnny and his wife. We would appreciate that. Tonight, I want to share with you some thoughts that I actually wrote down probably two to three months ago, I was uh, getting ready one morning. And before I popped out of the house, I just sat at my desk downstairs. And and I literally wrote these thoughts out on two sides of a piece of printer paper, because the the thoughts were coming uh, quicker than I could write them down. And they center around this idea of the organization has grown beyond the leader's capacity, or the church has grown beyond the pastor's capacity to lead it. And I have heard it said so many times. So so I have two questions about this idea. The first question is this. What does it mean when the church or organization has not even grown to reach the leader's capacity? What does that mean? When, when the church hasn't even grown yet to the point that it has reached the pastor's capacity to lead or the pastor's capacity of competence— And then the second question is, how can a pastor, how can he or she keep from allowing the church to exceed his or her leadership or ministry capacity? I have those two questions because, you know, we often think of the pastor, the poor pastor, where the church has just passed them by. But I often think about the situations where it's the poor church that's not even caught up to the let's just say somebody like me, the average pastor's capacity, the average pastor's ability to lead. I think about that. I think there's a lot more situations where you have a church that never reaches the level of its leader. And there's a lot fewer that go beyond the leader's capacity to lead it. 
And then, again, I often think of how could a pastor keep from letting the church go past him? So the first question, what does it mean when the church has not even grown to reach the pastor's capacity? Well, I'm thinking three things here. Number one, the pastor is not empowering others because that pastor wants to retain control. So so they're holding, they're not ceding any control of the church over to lay leadership. In fact, they're not really they're not really uh, following Ephesians chapter four verse twelve. They're not equipping the people to do the work of the ministry. As we go through this episode, I'm asking myself, where does this stuff hit me? And where do I need to grow? We're on the front end of 2019. Probably like me, you have also been thinking about growth this year in yourself, in your in your church. Uh, in your leaders, in your family. Uh, I mean, we're always thinking about improvements in a new year. At, l- at least I am every year. And so the first reason why a church may not ever grow to the capacity of the pastor is that the pastor just doesn't empower others. And then secondly, the pastor is just not equipping others. So he may have empowered them, but he or she may not have equipped them, may not be equipping them, because others need to be trained and prepared to serve. So let me ask you this question. In your ministry, pastor, are you empowering others? Are you allowing others to have authority and have responsibility? And then secondly, are you equipping them, or or are you just like delegating work to them and then walking away? And then the third reason why churches often don't ever reach the capacity of their leader, their pastor, is that people, the people are just, they're just not sufficiently inspired to serve to their kingdom potential. I, I mean, there's just, there's, there's no challenge, there's no why that's answered in their heads to get involved, to get involved at least outside of their comfort zone. So they never, they serve but they never stretch, they never reach, they never serve to their kingdom potential. So if you have a church where the people are not getting empowered, they're not receiving any authority, any responsibility, if you have a situation where the people are not getting equipped for the ministry God's called them and even gifted them to do, you know, gifted people still need to be equipped. They still need to be maintained and encouraged and inspired and fed and led and all that. And then if you have a church where the people just, they're just not inspired to reach their kingdom potential, they don't really know why the church does what it does. I think that kind of a church is not reaching its, its the capacity of the leader. So pastor, think about your church. Is your church, has it reached the level of your capacity to lead? Have you, have you maximized the church's capacity for king to potential throughout all the people, both individually and corporately? Are you empowering others? Are you equipping them? Are you inspiring them? So that's my first question about this idea. The organization has grown beyond the pastor's or the leader's capacity. The second question How can a pastor keep from allowing the organization to exceed his or her leadership or to exceed his or her ministry capacity? If you really want to make sure that the church never grows beyond your ability to lead it, I have three thoughts about that. Just, number one, keep people out of leadership and maintain control on the church so so it never grows beyond what you alone, pastor, can handle. Now, that would be bad, right? But that would be one way from keeping the church from exceeding 
your leadership capacity. A second way would be to ride the front end of the wave and not the back end. Because if you're on the back end of the wave of growth and the wave of change, that wave is going to overtake you. So you've got to stay on the front end. You've got to stay on the cutting edge of growth, on the cutting edge of change. You've got to stay on the front end of developing yourself and growing yourself. And you can't be behind what the organization is, what the church is. You've got to be ahead of the church. You've got to be a couple steps ahead as the leader. And then the third thing I'm thinking about this is that the pastor or leader, in order to keep from allowing the organization to exceed his or her leadership capacity, pastor must be committed to lifelong learning and lifelong growth. Now, to be honest, I I heard that term for years. I'm going to be a lifelong learner. I'm going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to grow all throughout my life. You know what? And I realized this and I learned it. I think I learned it a little too late, but I feel like I've learned it and I'm thankful that it doesn't happen automatically. It just doesn't. To be committed to lifelong learning means you have to keep learning. And to be committed to lifelong growth means you have to keep growing. And how do we learn or how do we grow if we don't push ourselves outside of our comfort zone. It was John Wooden, that great Hall of Fame basketball coach, that said, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts, right? So we get to a point, I don't know, for some it's in their 20s, some in their 30s, 40s, 50s. All of us get to a point where we think, hmm, I mean, I know I don't know it all, but I think I know everything I need to know for my position in life. And as a pastor, I mean, we want to be competent, right? We want to think that we're prepared. So, you know, if you've been listening to us for years, you'll, you'll remember when Johnny and I were still involved in uh, getting a master's degree. And I know that there's one of the, you know, the redneck joke books. There's a redneck joke in there somewhere since he and I are 23 years apart, and we were both pursuing our master's degree at the same time. But we were. And, you know, when we, when we got the degrees— you know, there's a sense where, okay, I'm, uh, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, I'm qualified. I'm prepared. But it's what you learn after you know it all that really counts. And that's what I'm talking about and what I've understood that lifelong learning is. It's after we've uh, grown up and we know it all, it's what we learn after that that really counts. So let me ask you a question. What's more important, Pastor, what's more important? The growth of the church or the growth of the pastor? Hmm? Which one's more important? The growth of the church or the growth of the pastor? Well, I want to say that the answer is yes. But I really need to say that growth is going to come from leadership. So it's not an issue of importance, but it's an issue of cause. Because I think that the growth of leaders will result in the growth of the organization. The growth of pastors will result in the growth of the church. The growth of the pastors, the elders, the deacons, and the teachers and the people in the church are going to result in the growth of the church. I, I just think that's how it happens. And the growth of the pastor will, as a rule of thumb, cause growth in the people. So I think what's most important, well, I think what causes what? The pastor needs to grow. 
Pastor, let me ask you a question. What's your personal growth strategy? I don't know how many of you that are older that have listened to John Maxwell over the years, but he he cites, I think he was in the state of Ohio at some kind of a Bob Evans type of restaurant. He was having breakfast with this guy. And this guy said to him, John, what's your personal plan for growth? And he said that he probably fumbled around and tried to make something up. But afterwards, he thought about it and he realized, I don't really have a plan for personal growth. And that question by that one guy sparked him on a journey of personal development that turned into him, you know, becoming kind of the leadership guru of the 80s and 90s and 2000s. So, you know, we have to incorporate a growth strategy, first for ourselves, then for the church. But when we incorporate a growth strategy and actually engage it in ourselves, we're going to see that our church is going to grow. Now, I'm not just talking about numbers. I'm talking about depth and understanding and and intellect uh, and, and, and that kind of growth. I'm talking about emotional intelligence as well. So too often we we as pastors, you know, we try to take a shortcut. I've done this. I've done this. We devise a growth strategy or some kind of a plan for the church without first doing the work of growing ourselves. So again, pastor, it's the beginning of 2019. I want to ask you this. What's your personal growth strategy? And then, what's your strategy for growing your church? Both involve motive and method. And I think motive is of primary importance. And that's for another podcast episode. But for today, I want to talk to you about how are you doing at your own personal growth? Because I think if you keep growing yourself ahead of the church, ahead of your leaders, and ahead of you last year, that's only going to bode well for you and for the church. So John Maxwell has this book called The 21 Most Powerful Minutes in a Leader's Day. And it's basically a devotional book, but it's a leadership devotional book. It's a book that he want, wanted uh, leaders to read you know, five days a week. But the very first paragraph of that book says this, how can I become a better leader? That's a question I ask myself every day of my life. I'm constantly searching for new things to learn and new ways to grow. But sometimes the best way to learn is to return to the fundamentals. After all, that's what championship coaches do when they want to sharpen the skills of their players. Whether they're rookies or seasoned veterans, they go back to the fundamentals. So what's your growth plan? And and I want to say to you, Pastor, it doesn't have to be some big, huge, fancy, overly complicated thing that involves uh, that, that involves tuition costs and degrees. It doesn't have to involve this time commitment of hours and hours every week. But it does have to involve intentionality, and it does have to involve commitment. But little by little, we win the race, right? And so I'm going to ask you over and over, what's your plan for growth because pastor if you don't have a plan and you know what Doug yeah Doug I'm calling you out if you don't have a plan you know my son listens to every single episode I was driving down the road the other day and I thought to myself why don't I ever talk to my son on my own podcast I never do so Doug and I have talked and I go to his house and I see books lying around here and there but Doug let me encourage you 
in front of all the pastors. How embarrassing. What's your plan for personal growth? Because you got that little boy at home and pastors, you've got families, wives, kids, churches filled with people. What's your plan for personal growth? And how are your people going to experience your growth? It's an exciting thing when a church experiences the growth of the pastor. Frank LaFasto and Carl Larson wrote this book, When Teams Work Best. 6,000 team members and leaders tell what it takes to succeed. And in this, team members were asked, what did you find in your leader, the leader of your team, that was really effective and helpful for you? They measured leaders' effectiveness across six key dimensions. And in brief, team members said that an effective leader was these six things. Number one, they focus on the goal. Number two, they ensure a collaborative climate. That's the part where you cede control over to other people, right? And you you lean on other people's strengths and gifts. Number three, they build confidence. That's usually with some competence, some level of competence. Number four, effective leaders demonstrate sufficient technical know-how. You know, they, they got to kind of know what they're doing. Number five, effective leaders set priorities. You know, if nothing is most important, you won't just do everything then. You'll, you'll do nothing. If you've got a list of things but there are nothing that is prioritized, you won't do any of it. And then the sixth dimension of an effective leader is that they manage performance. They manage performance. In other words, there's expectations, and they hold people to expectations, I love the story that Henry Cloud in his book, Boundaries for Leaders, shares. He he tells this true story. It was actually told to him on an airplane from a guy he was sitting next to. And the guy told him that a founder of a successful manufacturing company was in the process of succession planning. He was grooming his son to take over the business. One day as he walked through the factory, he saw his son angrily berating an employee in front of the person's coworkers. A lot of yelling, put-downs, and shaming. Apparently, it was an awful sight. So the father returned to his office and called his son to come see him. And when his son arrived, he said the following, David, he began, I wear two hats around here. I'm the boss and I'm your father. Right now, I'm going to put my boss hat on. You're fired. You're done here. I will not have that kind of behavior in my company. And I will not ever tolerate employees being treated that way. I've warned you about this kind of thing before, and you're still doing it. So I have to let you go. Then he said to his son, now I'm going to put my father hat on. After a moment's pause, he continued, son, I heard you lost your job today. How can I help you? I mean, that is called managing performance, right? And as a pastor and as a leader, we don't just manage the performance of the people that we pay, the people that are paid within the church. I mean, we got to manage our own, right? But but we have to manage the performance of volunteers. In other words, if somebody volunteers uh, in your ministry, that's important. That's a big deal. And they have to know it's a big deal. So you have to encourage them inspire them, uh, equip them, prepare them, give them authority, give them responsibility, uh, hold them accountable, uh, give them what they need, resource them, fund them, all those things. And those are all part of managing performance. So an effective leader, all of these team members said, focuses on the goal. Pastor, what goal are you helping your church or your church leaders to focus on? 
They ensure a collaborative climate. Do you have a collaborative climate in your church? They build confidence in others. They build confidence by having some level of competence, which means that you have you, you don't have competence unless it's increasing competence. If people don't see you getting better, at some point very quickly, they're going to see that you're not competent enough. And fourth, effective leaders demonstrate sufficient technical know-how. Then number five, they set priorities for their church, for their leadership. And then number six, they manage performance. So, Pastor, let me ask you, uh, any of those things strike a chord with you? You know, do, do any of those things make you think, yeah, you know, in that area, I could do a little bit better? So again, I'm going to ask you, what's your growth plan for the year? And maybe you, like me, so many years have walked into a year where you have no growth plan. Maybe you're just doing all kinds of stuff, and you just think by just continuing to do what you've always done and be busy and maybe add a few things to your plate, maybe adding things to your plate is a good growth plan. You're not going to take anything away. You're going to continue to do the things you've always done, and you're just going to add some more good things. Well, our friend Dave Jacobs, who was just in our previous episode, in his book Mile Wide and Inch Deep, he writes this, can you think of any good things you could take off your plate in order to make margin for better things, such as things like spiritual formation, thinking and planning, and cultivating key relationships? Notice I said good things. For most of us, he goes on, for most of us, the challenge is not to take bad things off our plate. Bad things are obvious. They prick our conscience. What push us over the edge are good things that crowd out better things. And maybe even, I would add, now going off script, better things that crowd out the best things. Going back to what Dave said, Dave said, our calendars are not filled with too much bad, but with too much good. So, Pastor, as you think about a growth plan for this year, and and let me tell you, I went through a season, I have to admit this, I went through a season where I had a negative uh, guttural reaction to the term growth plan. Yeah, blah, 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 growth, growth, growth. You know, I got to always be growing. Um, and, and I've, I've kind of grown up a little bit, right? And I'm realizing I, I really do always have to be growing. You know what? It's not an option if you're a pastor to choose the road of no growth for this year. That, that's not an option. That's like you choosing to just decide you're going to sin and you're going to sin whatever sin you want to sin this year and you don't really care. We have to continue to grow. And and Dave challenges us and what I just read, Dave Jacobs, that you know, we, if we're going to grow, as important as what we're adding to our life is what the, the things that we're taking away. So think about that, Pastor. What is it that you need to take away? What, do you, what is it that you've been doing? And you got to the end of the year, and you were thinking about this. You were thinking, why, why am I doing that? I, I think I need to stop doing that. I think that's one of the things that I need to cut out of my life. But you haven't done it. Why? Because it was the holidays, and you're busy, and you know, you're, just, you're too busy. You just haven't gotten to it. Right? There's a lot of things as pastors we just never get to. And often it could be that type of a thing that we never get to, that thing that's hard, that thing that we need to change, that thing that's 
uh, somebody uses the term keystone. You know, if you change that thing, that's going to help a lot of other things automatically in your life. So I want to challenge you, go back to that. Go back to what you were thinking about in early or middle December. That thing, that action, that responsibility, that job that you've you've committed yourself to, and you know, you realize, this is not the best use of my time. I need to take this out, and I need to refill that hour or two or five or whatever it was. I need to refill at least part of that with a strategy for my own personal growth. For me, back in 2010, I'll never forget, it was January 1st of 2010. I woke up, I looked in the mirror, and I said to myself, Jeff, and now I can't share, uh, I can't share what, exactly what I said to myself, but I said, I said, Jeff, if you don't do this, you're not going anywhere. There was a decision that I had to make that year, and I had to follow through with it. And it was a difficult decision. It affected people's lives. But I knew if I did not make that decision, I wasn't going to go anywhere. So in the process of working that decision through, I also made another another decision that year, and that was to go back to school and get my MDiv, my Master of Divinity degree. I'd never gotten it. I'd always wanted to. And at that point in 2010, I was 47 years old. You know, the clock was ticking and the calendar pages were flipping. And I said, I think now is the time. And I came upon a measly $1,000, which was enough to tip the scales and to cause me to pull the trigger on that decision. And I went back to school. That was a a number of cascading events resulted from that. Just meeting new people, thinking new thoughts, learning new things, uh, building new relationships, a str- going way outside my comfort zone, broadening my horizons. Oh, you know, all of those great uh, phrases. It's all true for me. All those things happened for me. One of the things I got out of going back to school was uh, meeting uh, Johnny Craig. Uh, and Johnny and I have been. Thickest Thieves, since uh, the summer of 2010, we began a journey, uh, a journey that we never knew we would take and we never knew where it would lead us, but a journey of discovery and of learning and of personal growth. And as we partnered and collaborated together, that growth curve got steeper and we began to learn and grow even more. And as we enlarged our circle of people that we brought into that learning process, our growth curve got even steeper, and we began to learn and grow even more. So, Pastor, what is it this year? What is it that you need to pull the trigger on? What decision has been looming in the back of your mind? You know that at some point, you know it's not a matter of if you need to make that decision. You know it's when you make that decision. You just haven't gotten to the when yet. Is it time? Is it time to make the decision that will propel you toward growth? Now, that decision may not be going back to school. That decision may be ending a relationship. That decision may be changing churches. That decision may be staying at a church. That decision may be making certain commitments. That decision may be pulling back from other commitments. That decision may be pursuing certain relationships or 
or ceasing certain relationships. I don't know what it is. Again, to quote John Maxwell, not to quote John Maxwell too much, but I think I will, he talked a lot about Today Matters. In fact, he wrote a book called Today Matters. And he says that you're never going to change your life until you change something that you do every day. And maybe that's the decision you have to make. I know a guy that said that he, he just made a commitment one day. One day, he turned over a new leaf. He made a commitment. This wasn't Now, this wasn't me. I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about a guy who in 2014 made a decision that beginning that day, he was going to work out six days a week for the rest of his life. Well, that was in the fall of 2014, and he's done it since then. And he's revolutionized his health, and it's catapulted him in his own personal growth. So that was a keystone decision because he realized that if I can change my movement, my exercise, my health, and my fitness, that will change a lot of other areas in my life. And you know what? It's true. The exact thing happened. So let me ask you, what is it that you need to decide that you're going to change about something that you do every single day? We're not getting any younger Time isn't going any faster or any slower, but we just have to act, and we have to make the decision. Michael Hyatt and Daniel Harkavy wrote this book called Living Forward, a proven plan to stop drifting and get the life you want. And In that book, they tell this story. I, I, I want to end with this story. This is a great story. He says, imagine we're standing along the edge of a lake next to an SUV. The hatch is up, and a large open chest sits in the back of the vehicle. Go go ahead, have a look. You can see that it's stacked to the top with $100 bills. To save you the hassle of counting, what we're just going to tell you, it's $3 million. That much cash is heavy, of course, and especially when you throw in the weight of the watertight chest that it's in. Now that we've secured the lid, we'll need your help getting it into the boat. Remember, we're along the edge of a lake. Uh, and we're next to an SUV that has all this money in the back and a watertight chest, and now we want you to help us to put this watertight chest into the boat. And after thanking you for the assistance, we leave you at the edge. We row out to the middle of the lake. It's, it's a ways out, but you can see everything perfectly. We grab the chest on either end, hoist it over the side, and, and you can hardly believe your eyes. We drop it into the murky water below. A few minutes later, we're back on the shore. We leave the boat in your care, shake hands, hop into the SUV, and drive away. Now, what are you going to do? Well, well, here's a good guess. You're going to pull out your cell phone, and you're going to try to find the nearest available dive shop while you keep your eye exactly on the spot you saw us drop the money. It doesn't matter what you have planned. All appointments are canceled, meetings postponed, calls forgotten. Expense reports, to-dos, your inbox, forget about it. Your schedule just changed. If you know the location of $3 million, you'll drop everything to go find it. If you take your eye off the spot, if you leave and come back, if you get distracted by whatever else is nearby, you may lose it. You may miss your shot. It's the same with life planning, and it's the same with taking action. And they say, at this point in the book, we have shared everything you need to know to create your life plan. But the longer you delay in seizing the treasure, the more likely you'll lose it. The time to act is now. Pastor, it's true. It's true. 
every minute that goes by, we never get back. Now, I, I am getting old. I'm 55 years old. And I'm counting the years. I'm counting the years. If I'm like my folks, I've got 30, maybe 35 years to go. The last 30 to 35 have gone by pretty quick. So time, time isn't going to go any faster or any slower, but the time to act is today. I don't care if you're 25, 35, 45, 55, or 75. The time to act today. So one more time, can I ask you? Can I? What's your plan for personal growth? What is it? Oh my goodness, there are more resources out there for you today than ever in the history of the world. (laughs) No lie. No lie. It's true. There are more resources. It's almost like, you know, just, I would say a library, but who goes into libraries anymore? But walk into a library, close your eyes, and just walk over to the nearest shelf and point. You know, you're going to find a resource for personal growth. I don't even want to suggest something to you. There's so much out there. Make a decision. Make a commitment. Change one thing and get better. And as you grow, your church is going to grow. If you grow closer to Jesus, your church is going to grow closer to Jesus. If you grow your heart for the lost, your church is going to grow their heart for the lost. If you grow your intellect, your church family will grow their intellect. If you grow in your love and devotion to the Scriptures, your church family is going to grow in your love and devotion to the Scriptures. And you know what I found? If you grow in your own personal health and fitness, people in your church family are going to grow in their own personal health and fitness. It doesn't really matter what area of your life you want to move forward in, and it doesn't matter how big your church is. What matters is that you have influence because God's called you and he's put you in ministry and he's given you this responsibility to love people and to serve them and to teach them. I mean, what a what a grand responsibility. What a what a phenomenal and honorable opportunity that we have. And you can do it. You can do it. And I would love I would love and I know Johnny would love if you emailed us, Johnny, no H, J-O-N-N-Y, at 200churches.com, and Jeff, it's not Geoff, it's just J-E-F-F, at 200churches.com, email us, and just pick one, whichever one you identify with more. Just pick one. Yeah. I know you're all going to go to Johnny. That's okay. I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm confident. No, pick one of us, seriously now, folks, pick one of us, and let us know, what decision are you going to pull the trigger on? Let us know. What is it that you need to take action on? Don't wait. Don't take your eyes off that spot. You want that $3 million? Go for it and act now. As I bring this episode to a close, let me ask you to do one thing. Let me ask you to take action in one area. Would you write down the names of five pastors of small churches that you think would benefit from this podcast? And you know what? It's it's not going to benefit me anymore, except for I'm going to have more fulfillment and satisfaction. I don't make any money off the podcast at all, and neither does Johnny. But but we do it. So since we're doing it, whether whether a thousand or two thousand or five thousand or ten thousand listen, hey, the more the better. So if you could write down the name of five pastors, 
and send them an email and send them a link to 200churches.com or, or send them a link to whatever episode that you think would be helpful to them on our, on our blog page. Uh, do that. Share the podcast with somebody, and that's a way that you could take the encouragement that you've got because the, our purpose, our mission is ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches, and as it's turned out, it's ministry encouragement for pastors because large church and medium-sized church pastors listen as well. Because you know what? We're all pastors. The size of our church, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because at night when we lay our head down on the pillow, uh, men and women pastors uh, at night when when you say your prayers and you're by yourself uh, on a Sunday morning when you step uh, up to deliver that message, you know what? We're all the same. We're all the same. We all have fears and struggles. We all have successes and victories. But this podcast is to get, bring ministry encouragement into the lives of pastors. If you would help us reach more pastors, we'd be thrilled. There was a guy that wrote us, a, a, and I'm almost done, as my son says to me, last thing, last thing, last thing. There's a guy that wrote us a, an email recently, and he said, you know, when I started listening to you, I wasn't a pastor and he wrote and he said, I wasn't a pastor, but in the years that uh, I've been listening, God was leading me and my wife, and we are now small church pastors in Idaho. They're bivocational. Woohoo! I will cheer for bivocational pastors. I, I'm not bivocational. You that are bivocational, I, I, I'm, you're the real pastors. I mean, you're doing it. You, you, you're you're divided. You're thinking about your job. You're thinking about ministry, and yet you're holistic because all of your life you understand as ministry. So uh, Johnny and I take our hats off to you. Uh, and so, uh, however you can help us get the word out, we'd be thrilled. So thanks for listening today. Take action to create a personal plan for growth. And we'll see you next week on the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Angela, and I want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you haven't already, you should subscribe to our weekly email at 200churches.com and to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You know it. We'll be back next week with another amazing and encouraging episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love His church. I am still getting pastors contacting me after listening to episode 305. That's the episode where I kind of went public and told the story of my health journey over these last about four months now. The episode is with David Bush, who was my health coach. And, you know, I've struggled with weight for a long, long time. And push came to shove this past year, and I decided nobody was going to do it for me. I had to take action. And so episode 305, I talk about that. If you're someone who has to take action on your health, pastor, we have sedentary lifestyles often in ministry, and it just doesn't work. But I'm not talking so much about exercise in episode 305. In fact, just yesterday, my barber said to me, Jeff, Jeff, what are you doing? You've lost so much weight. You, you got to tell me what you're doing. And I said, you know, it, here's, here's what I'm doing. I've changed what I put in my mouth. And that's the long and short of it. But if you need help, I'd love to help you. I'm helping a number of pastors right now from the East Coast to the West Coast, from the North to the South. It's really exciting, very exciting. I'm just, these are great pastors, great men and women, and 
I'd love for you to join. Hop on the bandwagon. If you want to get healthy and you need some other pastors to do it with, go to episode 305. And uh, in fact, if you just search online, search episode 305, 200churches.com, and go to that post. And in that blog post for episode 305, there is a link. Click on that link. Give me your name and your contact contact information, and we'll be in touch with each other. And we'll see if 219 can't be the kind of a year that 218 was for me, where I'm 53 pounds lighter, I've changed what I put in my mouth, I've changed my activity level, and compared to four months ago, I'm loving life. I'd love for you to as well.